Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Well, good morning. For the uh, next few moments, and then the next couple of weeks, we're going to be on a series called Come Home. Come Home. Uh, we are looking to call people in our lives who are far away from the faith to, to come home, like the prodigal story that we just saw there, that we would be a place where, again, people would want to come and uh, be the sort of people that would build those bridges. So um, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible, and the two verses that we're going to look at that are going to be kind of the key passage here is James 5, verse 19 and 20. These are the last couple verses of the book of James where he just like punctuates a point of what uh, he's been saying in that book of the Bible. We went through that whole section in Faith Does, but today we're just going to hit the last two verses where it says this, James 5, verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So this is this passage that we're going to look at. We've been praying often during the day, but I'm going to ask you again to pray as we take just these few moments to look at what God says to us today through His Word. Let's pray. Father God, this is a strong word. It's very specific. It's very pointed. We want to be obedient to it today. We want to think of ways that we can personally apply this passage to our lives as we go into this uh, new week and into this series called Come Home. Oh, Lord, that would many would come home. Lord, to the end, we pray that your Spirit would be active here among us this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. So think about that for just a moment. Come home. Um, home at its best. Really, there is no place like home, Right? The security, the comfort, when there's love there, uh, it is home, sweet home, as they say. And um, I was thinking about an experience that I had about wanting to go home so bad, and a time came to my mind. It was 1977, and I was a freshman at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and that was the worst up to this past winter, the worst winter that they had had for a very, very long time. Lots of snow, very cold, and I was a long ways from home, never had seen that much snow in my life, and I wanted to go home. I missed California so bad. Uh, to the extent that songs that we were listening to, I mean, we changed, I changed the lyrics, you know. And I'm going to date myself here, but you know, the Leonard Skinner song, Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet home California. You know, we just like singing out hey, the old uh, James Taylor song, you know, Carolina on my mind. Oh, no, it wasn't Carolina. It was California on my mind. Can't you just be, you know, you, you know the song, right? Great song. And that, it was just so much in my heart. I wanted, I just wanted to be home. It was so cold, and Christmas was coming, and we were going to go home, and it was little, oh, are we going to make it? Is it going to be, you know, the airport and all that? Yes, and we get to the airport. We get on the plane, and we are about ready to fly out, and then the lady comes over on the microphone and says, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to disembark the ice, you know, the ice and the snow and the whole thing. And so off the plane we got. It was horrible. Onto the bus we got. Back to the dorm. My, my roommate... 
Jack Vancouvering, he went home. He was home. But I wasn't. I was just in this cold. And it was cold. And I wanted to be home. And there's a feeling, isn't it? And I want to capture that today, that there are people in your and my life right now who, who have a sense that maybe they need to be home, that they're, they're far away from home, and it's cold, and they're miserable. And we have to be the sorts of people, and we want to think about this over the next few weeks, is how can we help them find their way back home, exactly like the passage here in James says. And so let's go um, to that passage. It's talking about wanderers, wanderers who have walked away from the truth. It's talking about people who have been in the truth. It's not necessarily that they've been Christians, but they've been among God's people. And James is pointing them, if any of you, you know, have wandered from the truth. So we're talking both about Christians and non-Christians, but all of them have been, they've tasted, they've been around the truth. Now, the Bible is clear, you know, and, and open about the fact that people wander from the truth, that they're there are wanderers, and we have a number of them in the, in the, in the Bible. You know, we have Peter, Thomas, Samson, the prodigal sons that um, Jesus talks about in his story, just to name a, a few. And the purpose of looking at this over these next weeks is just to develop, for you and me and as a church corporately, that we develop a greater heart for the hurting people we must not forget, to learn what we might do to bring them home, and to prepare a welcome for those we desperately miss and long to have beside us again. To become attentive this morning to the Holy Spirit and the one as He puts wanderers on our hearts and minds that we might reach out to. So we can go get them, like our passage says. I was handed a little book called Come Home, A Call Back to Faith by James McDonald. It just grabbed my heart, and that's much of what I'm going to be teaching about today from God's Word. There's a number of different kind of wonders. They're not all the same. So some of them are the prodigal wonders, like the story that Jesus told. We know some of them. Maybe we are some of them, and you just happen to be here. But the motto is, you're not going to tell me. Nobody tells me what to do. I do what I want. Now, it might be related to the fact that this person is young and rebellious, or it just might be old and rebellious and willful and stubborn. And it's just that idea, I'm going to follow my own way. But there's other kinds of wanderers too. There's the pleasure seeker. Samson certainly is an example of this in God's Word. It's not willful so much as just selfish, just narcissistic. It's just about me and what I want. I want what I want. You ask them, why are you doing that? And they say, because I want to. He says, well, that's going to hurt you down the road. That's, it's, it's not good. And he says, well, I don't care. I don't care what's going to hurt me. Later, I want to do this because it feels good now. It's true. The Bible is clear about this, that the pleasures of sin are for a season. It's a fleeting season. Another version says the fleeting pleasures of sin. So they are pleasurable, but they are fleeting, and they don't last, and they don't deliver what they promise. But this person is simply saying, I'm going to enjoy myself. This makes me feel happy. And it's what I want to do. I'm having too much fun to worry about what's coming down the road. I just don't care. A third type of wanderer is the wounded wanderer. This is a person who says, you know, I used to go to church. I used to love God. I used to study the Bible. And you ask, 
What, what happened? I've asked this a number of times. I come across these people all the time in our community. He asked, what happened? You know, they said, I used to go. You know, what happened? And out comes the stories, horrible stories, that they're wounded and they're, they're hurt and they are full of disillusionment because people, authority figures in their life who said that they were Christians, and many times it's even pastors have abused that authority, have done just really hard, difficult, stupid things in many cases, and have really wounded people. And now they walk around, not trusting, wounded, don't want to, don't want to come back home, and taking that wound and putting it that it's on God. So the actions of another person, but God is, but God is blamed. A fourth sort of wanderer is kind of an example of Peter, and that is he's ashamed. He's the ashamed wanderer. He's blown it. He's denied the Lord like Peter did, or something that's happened. Lives with a sense of shame over mistakes and of sins in the past. Maybe you know someone like this. You know, I've fallen, and I I, I just can't go back to church. People know me, and they know what I did, and and if I'm going to, I'm going to feel so ashamed if I'm going to go there, if I come back to those people. And so they don't. Sometimes this is a hard place to come back to for people who have blown it. We're not an easy people at times. I wonder how we might improve ourselves individually and corporately that, that it, it's easier for people to come back, even if we know them well and they've blown it. That our behavior, that our hearts are different. Well, then there's, you know, the distracted wanderer. And boy, that's kind of all of us at times. Certainly where I was at in those days, even when I wanted to come home so bad, I was at a time where still kind of rustling. Is it my faith or is it, is it my parents' faith? And kind of playing both sides and just distracted. And sometimes that's what we need to come home from. Sometimes people wander off for, just wander off foolishly, and other times it's because other people lead them. I'm going to ask you a number of times this morning. I'm going to ask it of you right now. Is there someone right now, even as I'm speaking, that is starting to come to your mind? Someone that you are thinking of right now. Another question is this, what's your and my attitude toward the wanderers in our lives? What's our posture and attitude toward them? Probably a lot of us in this room right now have been wanderers at one time or another in our lives. Kind of realize, don't we, that you don't always just realize that you're wandering. It just kind of happens slowly. And that when we do wander, it's sure easy to blame others. We usually have a way of saying, well, it's not really me. It's because of other people. Denial and blame is alive and well, for sure. And that it can be a very slow and confusing process. I'm going to read you a confession of a wanderer, something that really Uh, softened my heart. This is from a young lady named Abby. She says this, I didn't wake up one day and amble off. At no time did I decide to leave my family or my faith. It just happened. 
without my realizing one step at a time. Hurt and stubborn, I stumbled off along in adolescent secrecy to wherever my wandering feet took me. Drifting further and further, I lost sight of what I treasured. Frightened and alone, I became uncertain what home was or if it even existed for me. Looking back, I see how very confused I became. And this is the worst part. I didn't know it at the time. The darkest part of wandering until you're lost is that you lose your sense of home and why it matters and how to get back. Blind to the road ahead and deaf to the people who love me, I was full of fear and couldn't read the road signs. Wanderers don't need anger over how they have hurt you. They don't hear your pleas and can't comprehend your reasons, but they are lost. And only your love and God's love through you can find and bring them home. Don't despair, no matter how far your wanderer gets. She continues, Looking back, it is truly a miracle of grace that I ever made it home. But thankfully I did. God will give you strength until your wanderer does too. I just know right now, there is no doubt in my mind that you and I have wanderers in our life that are coming to your mind right now. And I wish that I could tell you that God will use you personally to bring them home. But more often than not, it's going to be someone else who God uses to bring them back. In many ways, though people that are closest to us, in our own families, the people we've been talking to for years or that have been a part of it, is that we're part of it. We're part of the problem. We're part of the issue. And so what we're going to have to trust this morning is that as I ask at a number of times during the service, who's God bringing to your mind that we will go past the one that has always been on our mind, that is always in our heart, who's wandering right now, that we would trust that God has someone that's going to call them home, show them a way to find their way back home, create that bridge, make that interaction. We need to trust God to do that for someone else, and then we're going to be that for someone else's loved one, that one that God puts on your heart and my heart this morning by His Spirit. This is something that God calls us to do. He shows us the way. Oh, you know, and we know that he's going to be faithful not only to give us the vision, but also the provision. How can we call the wanderer back home? Home, sweet home. This place is is what I'm talking about specifically. There are people that have been sitting next to you, a couple rows alongside. Now, maybe they've gone to another church and they're loving it and they're blessing the Lord. Praise God for that. We are talking, though, about those who have wandered away that used to be here, that used to be in your lives. And now they've wandered off. We want to call them home and create that way, that place, that bridge to come back. So I challenge you this morning to be that someone in someone else's loved one's life. Well, let's conform our attitude this morning to God's Word. What does God's Word say about all this? Well, in Luke 15, this is where the story comes from of the prodigal son. There are three stories that give God's heart on this. God's heart on this is that He cares for lost people. Lost people matter to God. 
They are on his heart this morning. In fact, Jesus said about himself, it's like his mission statement. Jesus said this, the, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He went out. He came here. He went out of his way at great expense to his personal comfort to seek and save us. And you and I are here because we're grateful recipients of the fact that he did. Lost people matter to God. You and I matter to God. And the people who are lost right now matter to God. Not only that, not only that, that lost people matter to God, but God celebrates that return. There is a party in heaven when a lost person comes back to Jesus. Reread this in Luke 15. This is after three stories in a row. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. After every one of the stories, there's a party when they find the coin, find the lost sheep, and the son comes home. And Luke 15, Jesus says this, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. So again, I ask you this morning, who is the Holy Spirit right now putting on your heart and your mind? Someone who needs to come home. Our text says, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, and I am suggesting this morning that that someone that James is talking about is each one of us here this morning. And I mean for us, like to be thinking about this over these next weeks, that we will personally do the sorts of things that make sense with the gifts and kind of the way we're wired, that we will do that, that we will reach out, write notes, go personally, take someone to lunch, take someone to coffee. I mean, I know there's bell, bill, bell board, billboards okay, and things that say, you know, you know, come back, or, you know, I saw signs that people carry at the Rose Parade. It, you know, it has flames on it, and it says, you know, it's hell not to obey Jesus Christ, repent or else, or those kind of things. It's not going to take signs. I, I know those are, there's some truth to those and all that, but I don't see people going, oh, wow, is that right? I better, you know, it's going to take... Again, the heart of the Father displayed by His people going and reaching out. The stakes are high. The stakes are high here. It says in our text, whoever turns a sinner from error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Save their soul from death. Sometimes it's death, or sometimes people get so reckless and we go to them and we might save their life because they're just living so recklessly. But this is talking about the second death. Told us in Revelation 20 where it says, uh, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is a person who has never given their heart to Christ, but they've been around church. Maybe they've been in our families. They just have never given their heart to Christ. Now, understand right that, you know, again, particularly as a tenet of the Reformed faith, we don't believe that people like that they are Christians this day and then the next day they're not, and it's like back and forth, and, you know, it's kind of the luck of the draw what day they die, if they're with Jesus or not. No, we believe that 
firmly that if Jesus has called us and you have given your heart to Jesus, if this person has given their heart to Jesus, they might stray, but they are going to come back. Scripture tells us this in a number of different places, but a couple passages that are just encouraging on this is Philippians 1.6. I'm sure of this, says Paul. I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Or Romans 8, 38 and 39, this passage, beautiful. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels goes through this whole thing. There's nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now this, this going after people, to, to approach them personally, this is risky business. You may be rebuffed, may be put down, put off, ignored. But you know, when the wanderer starts coming home, when there is this desire, they're going to remember that you reached out personally to them, even when they didn't want to, want you to. And then they'll, they'll come to you, and you'll be able to usher them back home to faith in Jesus. How many times uh, this has happened you know, I've had a number of kids. I used to do college visits, and I had some college students. You know what, Steve? I hated it when you came, <laughs> except that you bought us lunch, but I just hated it. It's like I was so far from Jesus, and I, I just didn't like it when you came. But, you know, when they did come back to Jesus, how sweet it was, how sweet it was to come home and to be a part of that. There's nothing, there, there's nothing like it. And that's another thing here, the reward the reward is great. What's the reward? Well, the text says it will cover a multitude of sins. What does that mean? Well, that means that the whole of the gospel, the good news is that our sins can be forgiven. You can be far away from, from here. Now, you may be far away from here and you are sitting in here right now. You may be far away. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your sins can be forgiven. Your hurts can be healed. Your sins have been paid for, atoned for. Jesus has already done this. He is waiting for you to receive the forgiveness that He has purchased for you. There's an amazing story about a hymn. We sang it a few weeks ago. It's Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And we sang it when we were preaching on blessed to, blessed to bless, blessed to be a blessing. And, uh, but you know, the, there's one line in there. It's so poignant. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. This is written, these words were penned by a man named Robert Robinson. And indeed, after he wrote this, these beautiful words, he did wander and he did leave the God he loved. Not for just a year or two, but for 30 years, he was far away from the Lord. And it was not going well for him, and he was miserable, and he had met a young woman, and this young woman was reading a collection of poetry, and he said, oh, just read something to me from, from, that, from that book, you know? He just needed something, and wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? She says, well, listen to these words that someone wrote. She says, prone to wonder, Lord. I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Who's, who, who is like that? Who, who is like our God? Who would use the very words that a man wrote to be the one words that call him back? And he said, you know, those I wrote that. I wrote that. And he came back to the Lord. He came home. 
This is the heart of our Father. This is the heart we need to capture this morning and to be captured by that our Father's heart cares for the lost. He's going to celebrate with the when they come home. And the story that we looked at the beginning that Jesus told gives us this great, great picture of what our father is like in this story of the prodigal son. Is it possible that we can catch the heart's father in such a way that we have a robe and ring welcome for those in our lives who are lost and come back? Everything inside of us, doesn't it? When people start coming back, we want to ask them questions. What were you thinking? We would, there's a kind of an um, interrogation. And you, know, tell us, and, and you don't see any of this in the father's reception of the son. I mean, this, this is a stunning story that, that Jesus tells to a Jewish audience. That this boy tells his dad, I wish you were dead in my life. I wish you were dead. Just give me an inheritance. You're dead in my life. He goes off to another land, which of course means other gods, mostly himself, wastes it completely. And then get this, it's almost like a a twist and a a bit of humor that Jesus adds, except that it's so tragic, is that the Jewish boy, where pigs and ham and bacon and all that is unclean, is now where the boy is working, feeding the pigs, and now finds himself in pig dung. That's what he smells like when he comes back. I don't know, there's just no worse smell. I mean, I've driven through Iowa, that's just horrible. (laughs) Right? Just horrible. And then the boy comes home. And what's the heart of the father? The heart of the Father that Jesus describes for us is that He's standing and He's looking. He's waiting. He's attentive. What does that mean for you and I? That means that's what we need to do. We need to have our eyes out. We can't forget these that we love who are wandering from the truth. And of course, when we're watching, when we're waiting, we're praying. We're praying that God will Bring them back, that God will bring other people in their lives, not just us, but other people in their lives, who will bring them back to the truth, that they'll come to their senses, that the house of cards that they've erected for themselves as what is, are going to come tumbling down, and when they do, they're going to come back home, come back to the faith. And when they do, and when they do, that we will be ready. We will be ready here with a ring, with a robe, with an embrace, with a kiss. And then as Jesus said, with a party, with celebration. So who's on your mind right now? Who are you thinking of right now? Is God starting to show you maybe something that you could do this week? Some way that you could reach out to this person to call them home? And I consider that as we close our service with more of a song of reflection that's going to be sung for us. Let's pray and we will.
consider these things. Thank you, Father, that your word is clear. And as we reflect on this, as we create just a little more space in our day here, uh, that you would you would make it clear for us, Lord. Who, who is it? Who is it, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.